Super Talk Mississippi media production. Have you been seriously injured? Mama Justice is here for you. Our medical team partners with top-notch doctors, surgeons, therapists, and urologists, ensuring a comprehensive recovery journey. If you've been injured, call Mama Justice today. We're here for you. This is Rebecca Turner, and thank you for listening to the Good Things Podcast here on Super Talk Mississippi. It's Mississippi's Radio Happy Hour. Well, I'm going to Mississippi, Mississippi, here I come. You're listening to Good Things with Rebecca Turner. Well, I'm going to Mississippi, Mississippi, here I come. Bringing you the good stories of Mississippi's people, places, and things to do. Now, now, here's Rebecca. Good afternoon, Super Talk Mississippi. You're tuned into your radio happy hour. That's the good things. I'm your host, Rebecca Turner. Now, don't forget, you can listen to good things. We are streaming live over at supertalk.fm. We're also streaming from the Super Talk Mississippi app, and you can always find us, too, on your local Super Talk Mississippi radio station. And you can watch good things. We are on your computer, your mobile device. Just head on over to Super Talk TV. And today we get to talk with renowned guitarist Adam McPhail. He is a Hattiesburg native, and he will be at the Max Meridian in a few weeks to give some of his guitar lessons. So welcome, Adam. Hi, how are you doing? I am doing well, and I'm excited to finally coordinate our schedules to get you here on Good Things. It's been a little time coming, so I'm so happy uh, to have you today. But okay, so you're a Hattiesburg native. Give us sort of your Mississippi uh, root story. Yes, yeah, so I grew up in Hattiesburg. Um, I was there from the time I was born until I was 22. I grew up, went to Oak Grove all throughout, you know, lower elementary, middle school, high school. And then I went to the University of Southern Miss, where I studied jazz studies, guitar. And then, yeah, so when I was about 22, I moved to Nashville, and I've been here ever since. Southern Miss to the top, Adam. Southern Miss to the top. That's right. Yes. There's a building there named after my, or should be a building there named after my dad for as many years as it took me to get a degree. No, not really. He would think so for the amount of money he spent for me to get my degree there. But yes, Southern Miss to the top for sure. Okay. When's the first time that you put a guitar in your hands? The first time I was about 13 years old. It was right before my 13th birthday. So that is the first time you picked up a guitar. Who handed it to you? Um, well, my dad bought it for me, and and I guess I'm lying. I had a I had tried my hand at guitar when I was like maybe nine or ten nine years old or something, but it, it didn't. I didn't take it seriously, and it, it, that lasted like maybe a week or two. But when I actually started pursuing the guitar was right before my thirteenth birthday, and my dad bought me a little Squire. Stratocaster, and you know, so my dad was the one who got me my first guitar. So I read the story or heard the story at 13 years old. You were chosen to perform with BB King. So how does someone who hadn't even had the guitar in their hands for maybe a year intentionally wind up performing with one of the greatest? Well, I think um, you know, I I had a natural knack for the guitar, but also I, I owe a lot of my early success to a man named Terry Hudson, who's also a, a Mississippi native. And he was my guitar teacher um, from the time I'd been playing guitar for about three months to maybe eight or nine months or so. But when I played with Dee Dee, I'd only been playing guitar about eight or nine months or so. But, you know, Carrie taught me how to play the blues. And, you know, honestly, I just had a really 
natural, you know, knack for the guitar, I guess. So I would just sit in my room and play guitar for literally from the time I got home from school, which is, you know, 3.30 p.m. or so until 10 or 11 at night until it was time for bed. So even though I had only been playing for, you know, eight or nine months, the amount of hours I had put in were, you know, in the thousands. So I, you know, just a lot of hard work and I guess just a natural knack for the instrument. But I, I fell in love with blues guitar and, you know, in my earlier years, I pretty much primarily played blues classic rock and heavy metal but blues was my main thing so i would just play blues all the time you know listen to bb king and stevie ray vaughn and all those all those guys and i would just learn from them and watch videos on youtube and i was just completely enamored by it was it when bb kind of gave you the nod or the tip of the hat adam that you were like okay Maybe I could, you know, do something with this past just it being a hobby? Or had you already sort of known, like, hey, this is just going to be the track my life is going to go down. I'm obsessed with this thing. I don't know what else I would do. Well, I think it, you know, it was when when B.B. King kind of gave me his endorsement that, you know, both I and my family, you know, realized that this could actually be something um, something that I'd do for a career. So I think after that, I took it even more seriously and, my dad was always driving me around um, to various shows. You know, he would always go out and meet local musicians, and he would, you know, I'd, I'd get invited to go play. And, and even BB introduced me to one of his friends by the name of Jesse Jackson. And so when I was, you know, 14 years old, I'd be playing and, you know, getting getting invited to play in blues clubs like Howlin' Mouse and Jackson and just various places, getting to go sit in with these elder, elderly, not elderly, but you know, older, older blues players. And you know, so it was it was a, kind of when he gave me his endorsement that I realized that it, it could be something, and I just never looked back. You have never looked back. So when you decided to leave Mississippi and head to Nashville, what was the big dream? Was it to be part of a band or to create a band? Or was it more of, you know, I'm not really sure, Adam, what past being in a band a guitarist can do. So, I mean, and that's our limited knowledge, right? You think you just have to be part of something that's traveling. So did you know kind of where your career would go or were you just sort of open to whatever was coming? I was open to whatever was coming. I knew I wanted to make my living with the guitar somehow. So, um, you know, a great thing I did was I went to grad school at Belmont University. And that was, you know, in my mindset was, okay, at the very least, after two years, I'll have a master's degree and I could teach guitar at the university level. And that's if nothing else happened, you know. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to move to Nashville. Absolute worst-case scenario in two years as I get as I get a master's degree. But luckily, I ended up, while I was in grad school, getting a bunch of gigs, and I would tour with bands. And, you know, I'd, there were times where I'd have to miss grad school for, for two weeks straight or something because I was out on the road playing. And, and luckily, the school I went to was very accepting of that and very encouraging of me to go, go on the road and tour and, you know, record albums and this and that. So, I, you know, I, di- I didn't really know exactly what I wanted to do, but... Once I got to the town, things kind of took off. I mean, in, in my first couple months, I'd already landed some pretty steady work, and I was getting a lot of gigs. And then, you know, once I graduated from Belmont, they immediately hired me as a adjunct professor of guitar there. So I did that, 
you know, one day a week, one or two days a week, and I was playing for a church consistently, but I was touring with my band Dynamo, and I would tour with various country artists and things of that sort, and then I started getting into the studio thing, so it, it all just kind of fell in place for me. On your website, Adam McBell uh, Music, you have a laundry list of really pretty uh, cool names of who you've gotten the opportunity to play with. Who are some of the top that when it happened, you were like, oh, my gosh, this is real life? So, obviously, B.B. Uh, King, you know, I mean, he um, was, you know, I don't know how much, I don't know that I'll ever get a bigger name on my resume than him, you know, so I'm super grateful for that, but you know, some other notable names. Um, recently I got to play with Victor Wooten and, you know, he's not necessarily commercially famous, but in the musician world, he's literally like an innovator at the bass guitar. And that's somebody I grew up idolizing, watching him on YouTube. And so that, that one is pretty special to me Two Um, Many numerous gospel artists, you know, Cece Winans. That was really fun playing with her. One of one of my favorites too was I got to play with Kirk Whalum, who was who's a saxophonist, and he, um, you know, jazz and smooth jazz and blues influence, and he was somebody I really listened to a lot throughout college. And I think he's from Memphis, and I got to play with him, and that that was quite the honor. Um, Shirley Caesar, you know, she's like, they call her the queen of gospel music. So, you know, it's like I got to play with, you know, B.B. King was the king of blues, and I got to play with the queen of gospel music. And Shirley Caesar's won numerous, numerous awards, and she was in the caravans and all kind of famous groups. And I got to play with her for the 50th anniversary of the GMA Dove Awards. And so that was, that was very special. And, and you know, I've, I've been very blessed to, to share the stage with a lot of a lot of reputable people, and you know, I'm, I'm truly grateful for that. Is there one on your bucket list, um, Adam? I know that may not top uh, the King, Baby King, but that maybe you would still have your hopes out for to collaborate with or be able to play guitar for. Man, one that's always been in my mind was like Stevie Wonder. Somehow, you know, I don't know how in the world that would ever happen, but that would be the one that would just completely complete everything for me but well i know he listens to good things so we'll make sure his people know that adam mcphail would like to <laughs> i, would I can't even do it with a straight face Adam. <laughs> uh, but hey good. you never know who's listening that may have uh have serious music connections so you never know you, you know, absolutely and then right now yeah he may even show up at the max um and just sort of see when you come down to sort of give a few lessons which i know that's coming up quick can you stick with us adam yeah can you what's that? What's that? Sorry. I say, can you stick with us through this break? Yes, absolutely. All right, we got more with Adam McPhail, uh, guitars coming up next. Making your afternoon just a little brighter. It's Good Things with Rebecca Turner on Super Talk Mississippi. 
Good things. We are streaming live over at supertalk.fm. We're also streaming from the Supertalk Mississippi app. You can always find us, too, on your local Supertalk Mississippi radio station. But you're listening to guitarist Adam McBell as we come back into good things here. You can hear him or see him at the Max and Meridian coming up in a couple of weeks. You will be leading a guitar workshop. What will you be doing at the Max, Adam? Yes, so on Friday, February the 9th, I'll be performing. So the Max is launching a new guitar exhibit, um, and it's called America at the Crossroads, the Guitar and a Changing Nation. So obviously I haven't seen it yet. You know, I don't, I don't know how many people have, but they're going to have some really historic pieces of music equipment and memorabilia and things of that sort uh, that, you know, were related to influencing great guitars such as B.B. King and Van Halen and Robert Johnson, Albert King, you know, people of, of, of those stature, but they're launching the museum. And for that, from 5 to 6.30, I believe, I'll be just kind of playing guitar, just tucked away in the corner while people walk through the exhibit and, you know, get to see all the cool pieces of gear. I'll just be somewhat of entertainment and just playing guitar. And then, you know, just literally whatever whatever I feel like playing, no set, no set, you know, songs or anything, just kind of going with the flow. And then the next day on Saturday, I believe from 10 to 11, I'm doing a guitar workshop where I'll be discussing primarily rock and roll and blues guitar. So I'll be discussing, you know, different techniques to play with and the evolution of the instrument and different styles and just kind of whatever whatever happens. You know, I'm hoping people engage and ask me questions because that always makes workshops go a lot easier so I'm not just talking at them for an hour, you know, they're kind of going back and forth with me. But, you know, just kind of talking all things rock and roll and and blues guitar on that day. Is that something, Adam, that people interested listening to good things would need to sign up for for prior? Do they need to bring their own guitar? How would they best uh, sort of get prepared for that? So I think they could show up because it'll be open to the public that day um, for the guitar workshop, I believe. Um, yeah, I think you can go on the website. I'm actually on the website now, and there's the RSVP here link. So you can go to um, either thing and RSVP online. So if you just go to msarts.org, I think you can RSVP there. But, yeah, if they're, if they're coming to the guitar workshop, I would encourage them to bring a guitar in case they want to kind of pull it out and, and try you know, something I'm teaching them, try it on the spot, you know, because otherwise it's just a kind of imagining it or visually just seeing me do it. So I, I would love for them to bring guitars. How many guitars do you own, Adam? Oh, man. Putting you on the spot. I would say around maybe 24, 25 or so. Do you have any that are collectibles that, even though the Max may not have asked you, they could borrow them for the exhibit? I'm not giving them any ideas, Adam. But that you would say, like, this is more of a collector's item from from your perspective and love of guitar than something that you would utilize in a show? I have all of them I pretty much play. I mean, in terms, not necessarily, there, there is one that I have. Um, it's a um, limited edition Jim Croce uh, master-built Epiphone Elitist guitar. There were only 55 of them made, 
And so, long story short, the owner of Gibson Guitars, the previous owner, I think his name was Dave Berryman or something of that sort, um, he was, had a, we had a mutual friend, and the, that guy, the owner of Gibson at the time, ended up giving this guitar to a buddy of mine named Mark Oswald. And Mark Oswald is a you know, big-time guy in the music industry, and he is the manager for Big and Rich and Jewel, and you know, he's done all these great things in his career, producing TV shows. I mean, I mean, it just goes on and on and on. And I was doing a TV show performance with Mark's wife, and we had we were kind of doing like a uh, uh, kind of a pilot type thing, if you will. But some corporate members from Allied Bank were there because they were planning on sponsoring the the TV show. And Mark ended up giving me the guitar that day. So there's only 55 of those in the world. So I'd say that's probably the closest thing I have to a collector's. Um, the guitar that I played with B.B. King, to me, that's a collector's piece. You know, if I ever lost that or it ever got damaged, I'd be completely devastated, you know. But in terms of, I don't have too many, like, vintage, vintage per se, guitars. Because a lot of my guitars I bought when I was um, younger. And, you know, this is, you know, I'm doing well in my career now. But the, the early years of a musician life kind of a struggle. So I, I don't know that I had the budget to buy a bunch of vintage guitars, you know, but I'd say that that one is my closest. That's a pretty cool one. Do you still have the first one your dad gave you? Do you still have that first guitar? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So those two, the one I played with BB, and then that, my first guitar, are the most sentimental pieces to me. And I do have, like, a, um, in terms of amplifiers, I have, like, a 1969 uh, original twin twin reverb, which is a really sought-after amplifier. So that's somewhat collectors as well that's pretty cool okay adam i know during covid like so many other musicians you had to pivot and boy we hadn't said that word in a long time we got tired Mm -hmm. of saying it but this really was a turn for you and your career and kind of what you're doing now so how did that transition your professional career so during covid you know i was actually very blessed because you know though i i do perform a lot you know i perform play a lot of live gigs. I travel and perform and fly to different places and I do a lot of recording. Both of those things essentially stopped when COVID started, like literally overnight gone, you know? And so I was fortunate that I was teaching at the time. I was teaching at Belmont university and I actually teach at Lipscomb university. Now I, for a, for a period of time, a few years, I was teaching at both schools. I was teaching at Belmont and Lipscomb and had all my live gigs and my session work. So I was extremely busy. But then, so once COVID started, I was just teaching at Belmont and Lipscomb online. So I had to get my setup, you know, get, because I wanted it to be a little more professional than just, you know, your laptop microphone or things of that sort. So I, you know, I got a webcam and I got a, got a you know my interface hooked up to where I had really good audio and I was sending them I had a vocal microphone and I had spotlights on me and I had you know my guitar going directly to them and I could record it and you know I just kind of got my online set up a little more uh, to a professional standard but you know I was very blessed because a lot of my friends who didn't have teaching were really going through a hard time because you know that all their work had gone away but luckily I had we had, I think, two months left in the semester 
So I, I had a little bit of time to figure out some things. So that was definitely a pivot, you know, kind of going from teaching, performing, and recording to just teaching. So what I did there was I started really utilizing my Instagram, and I started doing sponsored ads and, and posting a lot more videos of me, and I built a pretty decent following. You know, I, I have probably 11,000 followers or so on, on Instagram, and I started getting hit up for a lot of guitar lessons because, you know, with COVID, everybody's stuck in their house. So a lot of people wanted to learn how to play guitar because it's something you can teach virtually. So not only was I teaching at Belmont and Lipscomb, but I was teaching private lessons. And I I got to where I was, literally had so many students. And for a while there in COVID, I was making more money than I ever had in my entire life because I, I was teaching so many guitar lessons and Believe it or not, my, my private rate is actually more than I would get paid in a university setting. You know, so I was that that's kinda how I pivoted. I just I just embraced the teacher thing and I rode that out until till COVID allowed us to start playing live again. And you obviously miss playing live as so many musician, musicians did. Adam, you said you were kind of a natural or had a knack for the guitar the first time you picked it up. Is it Does that make it harder to teach it to other people who it may not come as easy to? Or have you found ways to sort of help folks figure it out? Because I, I could see where that could be frustrating. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think one thing teaching has taught me is a lot of patience. You know, and I think over the years I've gotten very good at knowing how to approach you know, it takes me maybe a lesson or two to kind of figure out, you know, not completely, but somewhat figure out how someone's mind works, you know, and kind of see what works for them. But I don't I don't think it's a hindrance because um, a lot of the people I teach do have a great knack for it as well. You know, a lot of, especially the, the kids I'm teaching in college, you know, a lot of them are really great players. But for somebody who's more of a beginner, you know, I don't, I don't think it's a hindrance at all. It's just, you know, maybe I have to be a little, a little more patient, you know. But, but honestly... I don't really teach um, many beginners. Um, I kind of keep it to, like, intermediate and advanced players. Well, we've got more with Adam McBell coming up next here on Good Things. Rebecca Turner. She looks healthy and sane. Good things with Rebecca Turner continues on Super Talk Mississippi. Good 
things. Don't forget, we are streaming live over at supertalk.fm. We're also streaming from the Supertalk Mississippi app. Hope you've downloaded that. You can always find us, too, on your local Supertalk Mississippi radio station. But you can find our guest, Adam McPhail. He's going to be at the Max in Meridian on February the 9th and the 10th. If you come on the 10th from 10 to 11 a.m., he will be um, hosting a guitar workshop. He wants you to bring your guitar and come and have a good time. I do see it's free uh, to the public, but um, you may have to register for his group. And we will put that in the Good Things Facebook group, Adam, so folks listening, if they want easy access on how to sign up for that. Um, We were talking about the fact that you give lessons. You're kind of more into the intermediate and advanced. But I have read where there's a lot of younger musicians that now look up to you, where you were that 13-year-old guitarist who was looking up to the likes of, like, B.B. King. So do you take great pride or, I guess, great responsibility, should I say? I'm sure it's your pride of it, proud of it, when young artists look to you kind of in the same way? Absolutely. It, it's it's an incredible honor for, you know, because I help mentor a lot of young musicians, and it really is an honor when they're calling upon me to help them with advice and, you know, serious career decisions they have to make. And to be in that position for someone to look up to me, um, you know, even at a younger age, I mean, you know, I've I'm only 31 at this point, so for what I've been able to do in my career, I'm very blessed for that, and I'm blessed for people to look up to me as well, absolutely. I think you have, like, the best gig as a musician. I've always said I never wanted to be, like, the lead singer. I feel like that's way too much pressure. Everybody knows you. But it would be really cool to kind of, like, be part of the band, and you get to, like, do all the cool stuff, but, like, still maybe get to go to your local grocery store or out to eat without completely being, you know, mobbed. Do you feel that way? Do you feel like you kind of hit the jackpot in terms of what you've been able to do with your career, being kind of a chameleon? Honestly, yes. Um, I, I have such a diverse uh, set of things I do. You know, my, I'm never doing the same thing over and over again. You know, I'm, I get to, being a sideman, I've got to play with a bunch of very, very respectable and very amazing artists, and I, and I love doing that, and I love meeting people and playing different styles of music, and I love teaching, and I love getting to record in various styles. So I think it's a lot of fun um, that, that I get to do so many things and, and, and at, at such a great level, you know, and I'm, I'm very fortunate for that. And, you know, I'm definitely someone who likes diversity in my life. So I, I enjoy that a lot. We may have parents listening or even kids, Adam, that just got picked up from school and car out or line to good things. And they're into music and their parents may think, oh, what can you do with a music degree past being, you know, a music teacher? Although that would, like you said, worst case scenario, you would get to, you know, teach at a college, which someone has to teach uh, those that expire to do other things. But what do you say to like parents or kids who are interested in making a profession out of this? I mean, how do you encourage them even if like, it, you know, how do you encourage them? Well, you know, to be completely transparent, um, you know, you, you're kind of spot on with, you know, with music degrees, that can lead to teaching. You know, with, with undergrad, graduate degrees, you can teach maybe at the high school level. But if you want to go farther, you know, and teach at the collegiate level, you might need to get a master's degree or a doctorate degree. So that's definitely one option. But, you know, to be completely honest, um, and this is just my opinion, but, but moving much past teaching, you know, having a music degree is not always 100% necessary. You know, um, a lot of just getting in the music industry, if you're wanting to, you know, be a side, side man or side woman and get out there and play, just play gigs and get in the industry, you're never really going to get asked for 
credentials in terms of education. You know, that's really only an academic setting type of thing. So, but I, but I would encourage them to always study their instrument, always try to get better, but also to study the business of music because, I mean, you can be the best player in the world. And I mean, there's the ceiling for, for musicians really is, you know, limitless. There's so many amazing things you can do. And it, it you know, there, I feel like there's a stereotype where all musicians are broke and that's just like not the case at all. You know, I've been able to have a very fruitful career and I think being, it's very important to study the business of music, you know, because like I said, no matter how good of a player you are, if you don't know how to promote yourself and how to start a business and how to monetize off of your craft, then it can be a, a harder life, you know? So I think seeing the bigger picture, being smart with your finances, knowing how to navigate networking and, and marketing yourself and just all the different facets of the business, I think it's, it's often overlooked by young musicians. And that's what I would really encourage them because if you're savvy with that kind of thing, you can really have a great career. No disrespect to our alma mater of USM, but Delta State's doing a really great job of opening up opportunities to teach young musicians the the music side of it. So there's definitely opportunities in the States for kids to sort of learn not only their instrument, but then all the other parts that come along with, with the career as well. I think it's just letting your, like for parents, just let your kids do what they're sort of passionate about and interested to. And, you know, a, a way will pave itself if it's sort of meant to be. Um, Adam, Absolutely. Okay. I I, sorry to tell no, you off, but I, um, I used to go to um, summer camps at Delta State. Um, I used to go to summer camps, and they used to teach summer music programs. And I, I went there two years um, in high school. And so I, I'm very familiar with Delta State. And, you know, the teachers there, like Barry Bays is a good friend of mine. And Trisha Walker used to teach there. And she's a great leader down in the Delta, you know, songwriter and just, uh, you know, great influential member of the community. And so I, I love Delta State. And I actually almost went to Delta State, um, but I ended up opting to go to Southern Mint. That's okay. To the top. It's Delta Music yeah. Institute. I knew it was I was knew it was DMI, but I couldn't remember the name of it. So that's the Delta Music yeah. Institute Arts and Science there mm-hmm. at Delta State University. Okay, I've got a little wager, Adam, with one of our uh, good listeners, Jeff in Pontotoc. He's on our text line, and he wanted to know who's your favorite guitarist of all time. And we've got you know no no mo- no real money on it to see what you will say. And I know that's a big question uh, for someone like you, but who would you say? Your favorite, not the best, but your favorite guitarist of all time is Adam. I'm, I'm gonna go with BB King. Ah, that's got it. <laughs> that's gonna be my answer every time. <laughs> I knew it. I knew it. And they, they had mentioned, um, since we're betting Stevie Ray Vaughan or others. Okay, so if it wasn't BB, yeah, obviously he takes the top, top spot as your favorite. I won that bet fair and square, Jeff. Just so you know. Um, but who would be some of the others that fall in your in your laundry list of favorite? Maybe not best, but just favorite. I'd say. Um, Zach Wilde from Black Label Society was a big influence of mine. Uh, Van Halen, but on the jazz side of things, I really loved Grant Green. But Steve Ray Vaughn was, you know, probably one of my biggest influences as a player when I was a kid. Um, that's that's probably some of the main ones. Um, and you know, even you know my teachers from from earlier years, you know. But but I'd, I'd say BB King, Steve Ray Vaughn. Uh, Zach Wilde, Eddie Van Halen, Grant Green, um, 
Yeah, it's that's honestly such a hard question sometimes because I have studied yeah. literally so many guitarists and so many styles of music that sometimes when I get put on the spot like this, it's like the names, like there's like so many. It's so convoluted in my brain that I forget a bunch of people, you know, but that's, that's kind of the ones that were, were, a biggest, were the biggest influence on me as a kid. Did you ever play around with any other instruments, or do you play any other instruments instruments besides the guitar, Adam? I play I played bass guitar, and throughout high school, I played um, I played drums, and never anything serious, just kind of messing around. And I actually played trumpet in the band at school as well, but I stopped that around tenth grade once I got really serious about the guitar. So I, I played bass guitar. Technically, but it's not really something that I promote unless I'm doing, like, recording sessions or something of that sort. Because um, I might record, like, guitar and bass for somebody, you know. But pretty much, it, at, at this point in my life, it's, it's pretty much just guitar. I always felt like that there would be an, an option for me to play the tambourine just one time and something that was recorded. I feel like that's about the only instrument I might, I might could get right. I'm sure anybody who plays it is probably like, you have no idea how hard, how um, much more difficult it is than it actually sounds. But, but Adam, if someone wants to follow along with your career, if they want to hear your music or support you in any way possible, where can they find you online? So the best place to probably follow me where I'm the most active would be Instagram. Um, my Instagram is just adam.mcphail, M-C-P-H-A-I-L. And I'm probably the most active on there, you know, posting my gigs and videos. And honestly, I need to be better about posting more, but I, I get, I'm so busy all the time that sometimes I forget to do that. But, and then any, anytime, you know, my website has a bunch of, uh, videos of me and pictures and, just all the information, you know. Well, I, I appreciate think, um, your time today, Adam. Um, if you're ever in the central area, bring your guitar into the studio. I'd love to uh, chat with you again. But um, good luck there in the Meridian. That's on February the 10th at the Max. We'll link that into the Good Things Facebook group for folks. And thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. All right, you guys stick with us. we got more for you coming up next. Paid for by Wesley Financial Group. Rebecca Turner. She's smart and pretty. Good Things with Rebecca Turner continues on Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back to Good Things. Don't forget we are streaming live over at supertalk.fm. You can always find us on your local Supertalk Mississippi radio station. And we're always on Supertalk TV, too, whether it's on your computer or your mobile device. You've probably heard the big news today, but we got a big contest for you. The biggest name in entertainment right now is 
Taylor Swift. And we're giving you a chance to win tickets to see her in concert, plus money in your pocket. That's a good one. Margaritaville Resort and Paradise Pier Fun Park in Biloxi, along with Super Talk Mississippi, is presenting Taylor Swift and a cash gift. Here's what you get. You get a pair of tickets to see Taylor Swift's Eras Tour at the Superdome in New Orleans on Saturday, October the 27th. Plus $1,000. And so how can you win? Just enter your name and contact information at one of our registration boxes at select locations across the state. How do you know those? Go to supertalk.fm slash Taylor Swift to find the full list of registration locations and more information. So there you go. Tay-Tay fans, spread the word. Go as much and register as much as you would like to and may the odds ever be in your favor. Okay, on a scale of one to ten, Rhino, how much fun was it today playing guitar music? It was pretty fun, but that the last song we came in with, that wasn't Adam McPhail. The rest of the music you've heard on Good Things Today was Adam McPhail playing guitar. But he mentioned that he got to play with Victor Wooten recently. Mm-hmm. And coming back, that was Classical Thump by Victor Wooten. All of that that he was playing was played on a bass. Which you looked up to Victor Wooten or would... To a certain extent. Like, but, or at least tried to... What was your connection? Well, when I was learning to play bass, I kept seeing his name mentioned online. And I would hear people discussing him at the, at the music store. So I didn't know. And this was... Not pre-internet, but pre-social media and long before there was nearly as much information readily available on the internet, especially for a more niche topic like Victor Wooten. Because, like Adam said, Victor Wooten's not necessarily commercially successful, but he really is an innovator in performance and, and style of play. So I lucked into going on a trip went to a really big music store on that trip and found a Victor Wooten CD. And the first time I heard him play, it was the album Classical Thump was on. And my mind was blown because I was still relatively new and learning to play bass, but I I had picked up on some of the basics and I was working on some of the more intermediate styles. And then I heard him play and it was a little depressing because I knew realistically, no matter how much I tried, no matter how much I practiced, I could never be that good. He's just on a totally different level. And then I realized I don't have to be that good to still enjoy playing it and to still enjoy learning, but it was something to aspire to. And I can tell you now, after all these years, I'm I'm a little rusty, but I still am nowhere near Victor Wooten. Did you choose the bass over the guitar, or like over the regular guitar? Yes. How, what's the right word for a regular guitar? Guitar. Oh, okay. <laughs> I feel like I was missing something, acoustic or, a, or whatever. I mean, there are different types of guitar. You have an acoustic guitar, which is the wooden one with the bigger body because it has to produce the sound from the body itself. And you've got electric, which is the more stylized look. They're They're thinner. They're a little skinnier. The neck is a little bit thinner. It's a little bit easier to play the more advanced stuff. But there are people that can play really advanced stuff on an acoustic. It's just more difficult fingering. Why did you choose the bass? Because the praise band at church needed a bass player because the bass player was graduating. Sometimes the Lord just picks it for you. (laughs) (laughs) 
there's no other reason uh, for it. Then. I'd already been hanging out with the the behind the scenes people, the people that ran the board and and for the band for the for the youth group, and the bass player was a senior when I was coming up. So I was like, I'm going to learn bass. I'm going to join the band. In another lifetime, Rhino. Although you still have a tremendous amount of life left to live, maybe in your second life. Would you ever run off and just be a freelance bass player? Well, Adam's a freelance guitarist, but and just play bass with different people. I mean, if I had the opportunity and I were good enough, sure. But I I know deep down I would have to be someone on the level of like a Victor Wooten or a Bella Fleck or somebody that is just leaps and bounds ahead of me. To be a true freelance guitarist or freelance bassist, because guitar you can you can carry a little bit more of the melody mm-hmm. with guitar than with bass, unless you're at that upper echelon. Well, you do better than me. They hire you over me. Maybe I'll just go audition with you. And so they're like, oh, let's take him over her. Absolutely, I take my tambourine. We could start a band. Bass and tambourine. Bass and tambourine. There's, there's got to be a niche out there for it somewhere. All right, stick with us. We got more for you up next. You got the boys with sports talk from three to six. Rhino and I'll meet you back here tomorrow at uh, two. But until then, I hope you all find time for the good things. Talk Mississippi Media Production.